Please join with me on the opening litany. God, help us to change. We change to know the need for it. To feel the joy of it. The art of gentle revolution. May you change for us for the better, Lord. Let us worship. Power and love as we sing holy, holy. 
please, as you are seated. Uh, We are going to continue our reading from the Gospel of Luke, the 16th chapter. Now, I know that usually I spend a lot of time in the Gospels, but I like to switch out of the Gospels occasionally. But lately, all of these teachings of Jesus in our lectionary have been so good and so important that I'm just sticking with our Gospel text for us to read here in church. So we are going to continue on with the Gospel of Luke. We are going to start with verse 19, and we are reading through the end of the 16th chapter. So if you are ready to hear the word of the Lord, will you please say amen? Amen. I feel like, I know it's a rainy day, but I think we can do a little bit better. If you're ready to hear the word of the Lord, will you please say amen? Amen. All right. Starting with verse 19. There was a rich man who was dressed in purple and fine linen, and who feasted sumptuously every day. And at his gate lay a poor man named Lazarus, covered with sores, who longed to satisfy his hunger with what fell from the rich man's table. Even the dogs would come and would lick his sores. And the poor man died and was carried away by the angels to be with Abraham. And the rich man also died and was buried. And in Hades, where he was being tormented, he looked up and he saw Abraham far away with Lazarus by his side. And he called out, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am in agony in these flames." But Abraham said, Child, remember that during your lifetime you received your good things, and Lazarus in like manner evil things, but now he is comforted here, and you are in agony. Besides all this between you and us is a great chasm that has been fixed, so that those who might want to pass from here to you cannot do so, and no one can cross from there to us. And then he said, Then, Father, I beg you to send him to my father's house, for I have five brothers, that he may warn them so that they will not also come to this place of torment. And Abraham replied, They have Moses and the prophets. They should listen to them. And he said, No, Father Abraham, but if someone goes to them from the dead, they will repent. And he said to them, If they do not listen to Moses and the prophets, neither will they be convinced even if someone rises from the dead. And that is the end of this parable of Jesus. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. channel of your peace. Where there is hatred, let me bring your love. Where there is injury, your pardon, Lord. And where there's doubt, true faith in you. Make me a channel of your peace. Where there's despair in life, let me bring hope. Where there is darkness, only light. And where there's sadness, ever. 
joy. O Master, grant that I may never seek so much to be consoled as to console, to be understood as to understand, to be loved as to love with all my soul make me a channel of your peace it is in pardoning that we are pardoned in giving of ourselves that we receive and in dying born to eternal light. Amen. Will you join me, with me in a moment of prayer? Holy and loving God, we thank you and we praise you for allowing us to meditate upon your word and your parable and your lesson. May we learn from your lesson, and may we be guided by your lesson. Lord, we ask that you bless the words of our mouths and the thoughts of our minds, so that all that we do and all that we say can be holy and acceptable to you, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Through Christ our Lord, we pray. Amen. So we've got to do a slight recap of last week before we begin with this week. So last week we had one focal verse that we really focused the entire message on. Can anybody, I'm just going to quiz you a little bit here, can anybody remember at all what that focal verse was? What was it about? Being honest. I know you guys know this. Whoever is faithful in very little is faithful also in much, and whoever is dishonest in very little is dishonest also in much. But before we focused on this verse, we focused on one other verse, and this other verse is a very popular one, or the end of it is, but the other verse, I'm not going to ask you on this one. I'll just uh, remind you of it. The other verse was, no slave can serve two masters, for a slave will either hate the one and love the other, or be devoted to the one and despise the other other, you cannot serve God and wealth. Now, here's the thing. Our, our reading left off there last week, and then it picked up in the 16th verse, and so we just missed a couple verses there in our lectionary text, but I'm going to tell you one of those verses because I actually think one of those verses is really important for us to understand what happened between then and the parable that Jesus told that we just read today because Luke tells us that the Pharisees essentially become quite upset with Jesus, and he explains to us why the Pharisees become upset with Jesus. And this is what Luke tells us in these in-between verses. He says, the Pharisees who were lovers of money, they were lovers of money, heard all of this and they ridiculed him. They ridiculed Jesus. So here is what we need to understand about the Pharisees in, uh, in order to understand the parable that we just read. We need to understand that the Pharisees wore holier than thou uh, as like a medal of honor. And they wore it like a medal of honor and they believed that they were righteous and so they deserved all the good things to come their way. They also believed that if somebody was, was not righteous, if they were, you know, someone like Lazarus in this parable, that, oh, they must be cursed by God, and they use that as their excuse not to care for that person. 
And they believed that they were following the law of Moses, and they were so confident in themselves, so confident in themselves that their confidence became too much, and they actually lost sight of the heart of the law of Moses. And the heart of the law of Moses had to do with that uh, banner that you guys can see right over there. That banner, what does it say? Do justice, love kindness, walk humbly with your God. That's the heart of the law law of Moses, but the Pharisees lost sight of the heart of the law because they were too proud. They were too proud of themselves so much so that they looked down on others. So this parable that we read today was spoken for the Pharisees to hear. The people who are the meant to be the recipients of, the, of this parable are the Pharisees, the ones who Luke tells us were lovers of money and and they were so proud of themselves. They thought that they were holier than all others. The ones who were supposed to hear this parable and be moved and, and really be a little bit upset by hearing this parable were who? The Pharisees. And so much so that Jesus was hoping that they would be able to see the plank in their own eye. Now we can talk about the parable. Now that we've got that part understood, we can talk about the parable. So Jesus had a best friend. I like to ask you questions today, maybe because it's a rainy day and, and everybody is a little quiet. Why is it that rainy days make you tired, by the way? They do. But Jesus had a best friend. Can anybody tell me the name of Jesus' best friend? Lazarus. Oh, you guys are good. See, you're waking up here. The name of Jesus' best friend was Lazarus. So Jesus made this story. It's a parable. This didn't really happen. This is just a story. It's a parable that Jesus tells in order to illustrate a point and in order to make a point to these Pharisees who were far too self-righteous and far too proud. So Jesus gave the parable or gave the poor man in this story the name of his best friend. That is not an accident. Jesus did that on purpose because everybody, including the Pharisees, knew who Jesus' best friend was. Everybody knew that Lazarus was Jesus' best friend. The Pharisees knew that Lazarus was Jesus' best friend because they had nothing better to do than follow Jesus around all the time and, and find out all the things that they thought Jesus was doing wrong. And so everybody knew that Lazarus was the best friend of Jesus. So Jesus made this poor man, uh, he named him Lazarus in this parable in order for everybody to understand understand that the poor man, the one who died of starvation, is the good guy in this parable. But then the rich man, what does Jesus name the rich man? Jesus doesn't even give the rich man a name. Jesus doesn't even bother giving the rich man a name. Could have called him a Pharisee if he wanted to push the point even a little bit further. But the Pharisees were supposed to be able to see themselves in the rich man. The rich man feasted sumptuously every day and didn't even give the poor man Lazarus the scraps that fell onto the floor. He didn't even give him the scraps, the leftovers to be able to eat. So much so that the poor man died of starvation. But here's the thing. I wonder back then how many times the Pharisees feasted and ignored those who were at their door asking for help. I wonder how many times the Pharisees threw these big elaborate feasts, which they did regularly. We know that because Jesus was invited to three of those dinners, only three, and then they had had enough with Jesus. But uh, we know that they had these, these big feasts, these big elaborate dinners. But I wonder how many times they ate and had their fill while there were poor people who were begging at their door that they gave nothing to. Well, in this parable, eventually both of the men 
and ended up dying. And Jesus tells us that Lazarus was carried away by angels. What a beautiful vision there. And Lazarus was carried away by the angels. That gives us this beautiful vision of what happened. But then the rich man, Jesus tells us that the rich man ends up where? In Hades, a.k.a. hell. You know, that's, what, that's that place, that, that's Hades there. So then the rich man ends up in Hades, which is also hell. And then the rich man, you know, is somehow able to look up and to see the kingdom of heaven, but we realize that in the kingdom of heaven, where Lazarus is, Lazarus can't look down and see, at the, and see hell. And, and only Abraham can look down. And so the rich man, you know, cries up and says, Father Abraham, you know, send, send Lazarus to help me, which is ironic because did the rich man help Lazarus? Lazarus at all in his life? Nope, not once, not at all. But but the rich man still thinks that, you know, maybe he could make Lazarus help him. So he says, you know, send Lazarus to just help me just a little bit. But Abraham's like, nope, sorry, can't do that. And then he's like, well, at least then send Lazarus to go warn my brothers. Send him to warn my brothers because otherwise my brothers are going to end up down here with me. But instead, Abraham says, if they do not listen to Moses and the prophets, neither will they be convinced even even if someone rises from the dead. By the way, Jesus is totally foreshadowing here because you know who's going to rise from the dead? Him. Also Lazarus, but uh, the, uh, the, his real friend Lazarus, but also Jesus. And are the Pharisees going to be convinced even after Jesus rises from the dead? No, most of them are not going to be. Now this parable made most of the Pharisees mad, so much so that that's how they started to devise a plan to kill Jesus. They were done with Jesus. They didn't want to hear these kind of messages anymore. But a few of the Pharisees, even if just a couple of the Pharisees, a few of these Pharisees heard these words of Jesus. And believe it or not, they actually felt compelled. How do we know this? Because think about who is it that sneaks off to see Jesus in the middle of the night and ask him questions? Nicodemus. Nicodemus had what profession? He was a Pharisee. And Nicodemus says that he and the others, a couple of them were wondering, you know, they're like, well, maybe Jesus is telling the truth. Maybe our our leaders of the Pharisees have it all wrong. Maybe Jesus is telling the truth. And so a few of the Pharisees heard this message and they were actually changed. A few of these Pharisees started to wonder if maybe they were standing on the wrong side of history. A few of these Pharisees wanted to know more about Jesus and about the message that Jesus was sharing. But to everyone, Pharisee or not, Jesus' message was clear. Jesus had a message that no matter what, we have one life to live, only one. We only get to do this human experience one time. We don't get a redo. Even if some people might want a redo, we don't get a redo. We get one chance at this human experience called life. And the reality is, if we learn from Jesus' message, we need to make sure that the life that we are living is worth saving. We need to make sure that the life that we're living is worth Jesus saving us. We need to make sure that the life that we're living is not one that is so rooted in the self, but is rooted in doing good and creating good for others. Now, I'm going to paraphrase something that another the- or a theologian said, uh, John T. Carroll. I'm going to try to you know sum up what he said in a larger writing of his, but John T. Carroll essentially said that the rest resurrection didn't nullify the requirement to be good and to care for the people. If anything, it reminded us of its 
importance. The resurrection didn't nullify our need to do good, but instead it should amplify our desire to do good. Because here's the thing, there are some people still today, this happened a lot at the time of the early church, it's covered in Paul's letter to the Thessalonians, but at the time uh, after Jesus died and rose again, and even still some people today, there are some people that think that since Jesus died, and since Jesus rose again, and since Jesus opened up the gates for heaven for us, that they can live their life doing whatever it is that they want, and as long as they have faith, they will make it into the kingdom of heaven. There are people who think that, but the reality is that that's actually a really dangerous thought because then people who think like that, they're like, well, I can do whatever I want. I can live my life like a Pharisee. I can be a self-righteous kind of person. As long as I believe in Jesus, then I can get into the kingdom of God. And that thought process is so problematic, so much so that it's covered in the letter of James. It's also covered in Thessalonians. So the, the apostles have to deal with this thought process back then, a couple thousand years ago. But the reality is that even though the resurrection does in fact, open up the gates of everlasting life, we still need to live a life worth saving. We still need to work to help those in need. We still need to love those who are in need of love. We still need to care for those who are lonely. We still need to live a life worth saving. So I share all of this with you, even if you look a little bit sleepy, I share all of this with you, because I think that this parable leaves us with some important questions, some questions I'm going to share with you now. I think we should ask ourselves these questions sometimes. If we want to grow, as Doug said, if we want to change, if we want to do better so much so that our life is worth saving, do, does how we live Make Jesus want us to, uh, to join him in the kingdom of heaven. Think about this. Does how we live our lives make Jesus want us to join him in the kingdom of heaven? Does how we treat other people make Jesus want us to spend eternity with him? Does how we care for others make Jesus happy that we are his followers? Does Jesus look down and say, that Lori, she's got it. I see her. She's doing a good job. Yes, she's one of mine. Or does Jesus look down and like, oh no, that person's not wearing a cross on their, on their uh their necklace, are they? Because then I'm not sure they're spreading the message that I want. What kind of life are we worth living? Does Jesus look down from the kingdom of heaven and does how, do our actions make him happy that we are one of his followers? Are we living a life that is worth saving? So as we think about this parable, this, this big parable that was meant to change the minds of some of the Pharisees, are we living a life that is worth saving? Are we living a life that is worthy of the resurrection? Are we living a life that makes Jesus want to spend eternity with us? And if not, how can we do better? What changes can we make in our lives to make sure that we are living a life that's worth saving? And let's join in a moment of prayer. Holy and loving God, we thank you and we praise you. We thank you for sending us Jesus and opening up the gates of heaven. We thank you for leading by example. We thank you for showing us the need to care for others. We thank you for showing us what it means to put our faith into action. 
We thank you, Lord, for allowing us to worship you and to grow as we worship. May we be your followers, not just in name, but also in deed. May we be your followers in all that we do. May we be worthy of your resurrection power. And Lord, we pray this in every prayer through Christ Jesus, our Lord and our Savior, who taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Let us worship God with our morning tithes and offerings. With a grateful heart, give thanks to the Holy One. Give thanks because He's given Jesus Christ His Son. And now let the weak say, I am strong. Let the poor say, I am rich because of what the Lord has done for us. Give Give thanks, give thanks. Let us pray together. Gracious God, may this act of giving transform our hearts and our minds. May you bless these gifts and use them to do your will. Through Christ we pray, amen. The grassy fields sway at your feet, the forest trees, they stretch to the heavens, the cloudy skies open up to you, 
the rolling hills rise and fall in you. The ocean waves, they clap their hands. The water falls, bow down to their knees. The glassy sea reflects your rays. The rushing river runs after you. I see your majesty. How can it be? You delight in me, and all creation sings. Great are you, Lord. You are the God of heaven. Great are you, Lord. You are the King of glory. Great are you, Lord. And I of God. Go forth with the love of Christ. Go forth, be blessed, and be a blessing to all.